On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about the mother of Jesus. We're going to talk about Mary. Uh, of course, I think it probably uh, the title's probably appropriate because there's more than one Mary mentioned in the New Testament, yeah. obviously. We're talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we want to talk about some invented doctrines that have been have developed over the centuries. Obviously, Jesus was born to Mary about 2,000 years ago. So in the intervening 2,000 years, there have been a lot of things invented that the Bible does not say about Mary. And there's and various religions believe things about Mary that are not substantiated in the Bible whatsoever. Well, we're going to talk about that, and it's going to be an important discussion. You'll want to stay tuned. We're getting started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you to the virtual bible study this is the virtual bible study for thursday december 10th 2020 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad great to be with you jacob kyle's behind the controls as usual kyle glad that you're here it's good to be here and we're glad that you're listening on the other end of the line tonight. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And in the chat window, they're signing in there, so you'll want to sign in with other listeners on the program tonight. Uh, before we get into our topic for discussion, remember we are making available our Bible reading calendar for 2021. Uh, we've got it printed up. It's ready to go. If you want one, if you want a hard copy... We'll send you one absolutely free of charge, and we'll throw in a bumper sticker with it when we send it to you. All we need is your U.S. mail address so we can physically mail that to you. So send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and say, I'd like one of those Bible reading calendars, and then give us your mailing, your snail mail address. Is it on the website yet? No, because I don't want to confuse it with the one oh, that right. we're still using up, the one on the website, until the end of the year. But, but we will, Lord willing, have have a PDF on the website the last week of this year, Lord willing. And, and then you can you can either download it, print it yourself, or just access it on the Internet daily. Now, are you able to extend your offer you made last week for about the free bumper sticker? With yeah, the just, I said, we'll put a bumper oh, sticker okay. in the envelope with it. Okay, all right, good. All right, questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use to send your snail mail address to get your hands on one of those Bible reading calendars. And whatever you use, if you use the calendar or if you use something else, make it your goal in 2021. Uh, to study the Bible every day. Yeah, because if you don't make a plan, you won't do it. I think. Right. I think. I think that's pretty. I mean, I, I, speaking from my own experience, if I don't follow up a schedule and a course, then I'll go. Then I'll. I'll get well into my day, and I won't have thought about reading. Right. And I tell you what. I what. In, if, I don't know if it's true for everybody, but prayer is linked with reading in my in my life. When I when I spend time reading, it motivates me to pray. If I don't read. Then I can get well into my day and realize I haven't stopped to pray. And so I think they're, I think it's a great way to start today. All right. So make sure to make plans for that in 2021 and that Bible reading calendar will help you with that. 
Uh, all right, 877-381-4567 tonight as we talk about the mother of Jesus. All right, so to our update list earlier today, we sent out some questions. Uh, remember, if you're not getting these email updates, send us also send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and say add me to your list so that on Thursday midday you'll get the update about what we will be discussing on the virtual Bible study. And to that update list earlier today, we sent out these questions. Number one, I thought this was worthwhile to just talk about what we definitely and positively do know about the the birth of Jesus. And so we're going to, we're going to, the gospel writers obviously all discuss this, but we're going to we're going to focus on Matthew 1 just taking Matthew 1 what do we know as a matter of fact okay. about the birth of Jesus. Number 2, what do you know about these doctrines about Mary and what bible passages would you use to show that they are false? And we got six of them. Mary's immaculate conception, Mary was a perpetual virgin, the assumption of Mary. Mary is a mediator between God and man. Mary has a rank higher than angels. Mary is co-redeemer with Jesus. So there's six things there, and we think they are all false doctrines that have evolved in men's minds since the first century, and we want to discuss those. And then we want to end our study tonight with what positive and true lessons can we learn from Mary? She's a great Bible character, and there's some really positive things we can learn maybe from Maybe overlooked. Yeah. Uh, because of some of these doctrines around. Her. Yeah. So maybe we overact. So, oh, yeah, the, the, these various religious groups have developed these false doctrines about Mary, and all we do is we just combat the false doctrine. We don't stop to appreciate her for the person she was and the example that she said. Phenomenal example. Yeah. We want to talk about that at the end of the program. All yeah. right, it's going to be a good discussion. Let's get going now. Uh, from Matthew 1, some basic okay. facts. Let's, let, if, if everybody out there listening, if you've got your Bibles right there in your, in your hand, turn to Matthew 1, and let's just read the verses pertinent to what we want to discuss, beginning at verse 16. You're not going to read all those names? No, I'll let uh, somebody else. I'll, I'll let you do that. No, if that's you want okay. To. You got it. Uh, so beginning uh, at verse 16, Matthew 1, verse 16, Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary. So that's at the end of the line. Mm-hmm. You know, you know the, the genealogy of Jesus here in Matthew 1 uh, goes back to Abraham. Uh, and, and it ends... In Matthew's account of the genealogy, it ends with Joseph. Right. So Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations from David until the carrying away of Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, being interpreted, which is being interpreted as God with us. Okay. So, 
a couple of observations here. It's it's interesting because I think Luke does it the other way and tracks the, the lineage through Mary. But Matthew tracks the lineage of Jesus through Joseph. And so Joseph was, as one author put it, the legal father of Jesus, but not the biological father of Jesus. And it's kind of interesting. If you go through this, if you go through this genealogy, it keeps saying so and so begat so and so, and he begat so and so, and that person begat so and so. Verse 16, Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus. It doesn't say that Joseph begat Jesus. Right. It says that he was Joseph was the husband of Mary, of whom of Mary yep. was born Jesus, that is called Christ. Uh, the the pronoun there, whom of whom was born Jesus, actually, and I'm not great on this grammar, but I'm reading this from others who are expert in it. That that pronoun of whom, singular number, feminine gender, and thus it could not be dis- describing Joseph having any involvement in the birth of Jesus. So that's really significant there in verse 16. There's a, there's a distinct change in the way that the genealogy is worded from begat, 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 begat to Joseph, who was the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Now, what we further know here is that in verse 18, that when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found a child with the Holy Ghost. So they were espoused or betrothed to be married. We, it's similar. I don't think exactly synonymous with the idea of our engagement. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, to the Jews, this betrothal uh, or this espousal period would typically last 12 months, especially for a virgin bride. And and remember, in those times when people married, they were typically very young. A lot of commentators, there's no way to know, no way to know. A, a lot of commentators would probably pinpoint the age of Mary at around maybe 14 mm. uh, at this time. But anyway, they would be they would be espoused or betrothed for about 12 months. And at the end of that 12 months, the bride would be taken into the groom's home and she would be his wife. Yeah. Uh, notice Matthew specifically says that she was uh, with child. She was found with child before they came together. They hadn't been intimate. And so there's no way that this child was Joseph. And Joseph knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Joseph was aware this was, she's, she's pregnant with a baby, but it's not my baby. And he could, he would know that. Obviously, if anybody did, he would know that of certainty. It's not my child. Uh, and so he was surprised. The word found there, uh, the, conveys sort of a hint meaning of a discovery to his shock to uh, he, he he became aware he was surprised it was like a, a bomb was dropped huh? yeah how, how could this be he discovered that she was pregnant but it was explained to him he he was he was uh going to put her away this this betrothal or espousal of the jews was i mean it was a binding contract 
And the only way to end it would be a, a writing of divorce. They, they weren't they weren't fully or ultimately married yet, but the only way to end a, an espousal or a betrothal would be a writing of divorcement. And he was going to do that. Now, he wasn't going to he he intended to put her away, but he didn't want to make a public spectacle of her. He was he was a good man, a kind man, uh, and so although he was shocked sort of blindsided by the fact that she's pregnant and he knows it's not his baby then but he doesn't want to make a public display of her actually she could have been she could have been put to death for the activity supposed that had led to her having a baby uh but he wasn't going to he wasn't going to pursue that but before he could pursue that uh an angel verse 20 appeared to him and said that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And all of this was being done to accomplish the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah seven fourteen, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 said, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Uh, so 700 years earlier, the, the, the powerful prophet Isaiah had predicted what was happening. And the angel revealed to Joseph... What's taking place here is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Amazing. Um, Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, said Matthew 1, 1 through 17, outlines a genealogy of Christ Jesus. It is different from the genealogy of Luke 3. Perhaps the best reconciliation of the two lists is to view Matthew's account as the ancestry of Joseph and Luke's record as the ancestry of Mary. Matthew 1, 18-25 gives the record of the incarnation and birth of, of Christ. This passage gives inspired information that while Joseph was, well, was betrothed to Mary, the final aspect of marriage has not been finalized and that Jesus is the incarnate, only begotten Son of God. Joseph accepted the information that the angel gave him regarding Mary's virginity and the fact that Jesus Christ was Emmanuel being interpreted God with us. Joseph accomplished God's plan and completed the marriage arrangement by taking Mary as his wife. Verse 25 clearly affirms that Joseph did not physically know Mary until after the birth of Christ. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's a verse we should have added into our reading. So Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not. And the expression knew her not there is, a, is an expression in, uh, about intimacy. He knew her not until she'd brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. Okay. And Jim is in uh, Kentucky. He referenced uh, Jesus' And by the way, I, uh, Jim is a great one to refer uh, to in these matters uh, because Jim is a converted Catholic, so he, yeah. he's well educated. He knows the doctrines. Yeah, that's right. And he's, in, he's all over these false doctrines about Mary that we'll get into. Uh, he says, Jesus, uh, from Matthew 1, he gets Jesus is descended from Abraham through David. Mary is espoused to Joseph, 118, and that, uh, and that he learns that she is with child by the Holy Spirit. When Joseph learns she is with child, he determines to put her away privately, but is prohibited from doing so as this, uh, uh, doing this as the, an angel from the Lord affirms that th- this child has been conceived by the Holy Ghost, 119 and 20, and that they are to call the child Jesus, which means Savior, for he shall save the people from their sins, 1 verse 21. And all of the uh, all of this is the fulfillment of prophecy, verses 22 and 23. Jo- so Joseph did as he was commanded by God, 24 and 25. This Jesus was born of a virgin who was the child of the Holy Ghost as part of the provincial, providential work of God, will of God to provide salvation for all mankind. Thank you, Jim, for your comments tonight. All right. So uh, 
I think all of that is really valuable information to know about how how this all came to pass. Now, uh, you mentioned before the program started, Jacob, this is sort of an appropriate time of year to be talking about Mary and events surrounding the birth of Jesus because another evolved doctrine of men not found in the Bible is the religious observance of Christmas. And uh, so this factors into all of that as well. Uh, so it is kind of appropriate to talk about that at this time of year. Absolutely. And we're over time. We're going to get a break. When we come back, we're going to get into some of these false doctrines. First one being immaculate conception. And, uh, well, we may even need to define terms, what we mean by that. And we'll get into that uh, on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock. It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Attitudes determine actions. You are not what you think you are, rather what you think you are. Benjamin Franklin said, well done is better than well said. Man, wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight as we look at false doctrines around uh, the um, mother of Jesus, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And uh, we'll get into those now. And they are, there are myths. I mean, it's just amazing the amount of false doctrine not even anywhere close to what the scriptures teach that has developed around this one character. You know, I was thinking if you can just make stuff up about Mary that's nowhere taught in the Bible, uh, where would you stop from that? I mean, could I, could I make up the doctrine that Mary lives in an ice castle on the dark side of the moon? Right. You know, and, uh, why not? Why not? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, 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 if we're going to believe something, it's got to be substantiated in the Bible. We've got to be able to show it, prove it from the Scripture. And the other thing that we're going to notice here as we look at these false doctrines is they all, oh, not all of them, many of them perpetuate from 
another false doctrine, and that's the doctrine of original sin or inherited sin. And, and you, when you start to chase false doctrines, then you have to build other false doctrines around them to prop them up or to go along with them. And we're going to see exactly here, right. that, this. Yeah. That's exactly right. You know, uh, when I was much younger and I heard about this doctrine, and it's, it's primarily a Catholic doctrine of the Immaculate Conception, I had always assumed that it meant the Holy Ghost coming upon Mary and and uh, and con- the child conceived in that process that that was the immaculate conception. Talk about the conception of Jesus. Yeah. It's not. That's not what the immaculate conception is about. And at maybe all. we we maybe we confuse immaculate with miraculous. Yeah, yeah. So immaculate. You know, you could have a. Your house could be immaculate. It's not miraculous, but it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. It's yeah. clean. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, the Holy Spirit coming on Mary was definitely miraculous, and it would be immaculate as well. Yeah. But uh, this is something totally different. Exactly right. Uh, actually, this is a Roman Catholic doctrine that hasn't always been around. We even know where it started. I found a, a historical note on okay. this. Pope Pius Ninth proclaimed this doctrine of the Immaculate Conception on December 8th, 1854. <laughs> 1854? So that, yeah. So this yeah. is only a 150, 170-year-old doctrine of the Catholic Church. I thought it went back way before that, but he's the one who 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 put the official stamp on Maybe the official stamp. It may have been around before then, because I have a quote from Martin Luther in 19, or in 1544. And he said, God has formed the soul and body of the Virgin Mary full of the Holy Spirit so that she is without all sins, for she has conceived and born the Lord Jesus. And he, he, he goes on, Mary, Mother Mary, like us, was born in sin of sinful parents, but the Holy Spirit covered her and sanctified her and purified her so that this child was born of flesh and blood and not without sinful flesh and blood. The Holy Spirit permitted the Virgin Mary to remain a true, natural human being of flesh and blood, just as we. However, he warded off sin from her flesh and blood so that she became the mother of a pure child, not poisoned by sin as we are. Uh, from, for in a, that moment she, when she conceived, she was a holy mother filled with the Holy Spirit, and her fruit uh, w- is a ho- holy, pure fruit at once God and truly man in one person. So, so Martin Luther, and of course, that would way predate that 1854. Yeah. But I found another note here that... Um, Theologians submitted to the point, uh, and finally the view then generally, generally prevailing was formally pronounced as the dogma of the church by Pope Pius IX in 1854. So it had been around, yeah. and they they finally made it the official position of the Roman Catholic Church, the Immaculate Conception. Now, the idea of the Immaculate Conception is that Mary was made sinlessly pure so that when Jesus was born, he he did not carry inherited sin. Yeah, that's basically it. I, yeah. mean, I may be over. She, she has to be somehow different from every other mother because every other mother's transmitting this sin. The original like, sin of like Adam, like you would some type of genetic disease or yeah, yeah, yeah some kind of thing in their nature that, that, that they're born sinful. And as you said, so this this doctrine of the immaculate conception, which is false, is linked to the false doctrine that. Newborn babies inherit the sins of their forefathers all the way back to Adam. So inherited sin is a false doctrine. But if you accept that doctrine, then you've got a problem. Because we're going to have Jesus born into this world, born 
into human flesh. He's going to be born of a human mother. That mother is a sinner. And so Jesus is going to inherit the sin of his mother. Can't have that. And, of course, she says she would be his only human parent. But if she's a sinner and he's going to inherit, so we got to, we got to take that back a step. And, and, and so the Holy Spirit acts upon Mary to sanctify and cleanse her of all sin so that she is not a, a passer on of yeah. the original it's sin. A, it's a crazy doctrine yeah. not yeah. found in the scriptures. But even, notice the quote from Martin Luther, uh, is that, um, that he, uh, he made her, uh, free from all sin. He warded off sin from her flesh and blood so that she became the mother of a pure child. So, it, it appears from what Martin Luther taught on this is that Mary not only was born without sin, she never committed sin. That yeah. she, when she had Jesus, she she was totally free from sin, which is another doctrine that's not taught in the scriptures and is not any. In fact, is taught against in the scriptures. Yeah. Uh, let me read a quote here. The Catholic Church firmly believes that Mary was immaculately conceived. Since God rejects all sins and the purpose of Christ's incarnation was to release man from the grasp of Satan, it was not suitable that our Redeemer be personally associated with sin. This means that unlike the original sin that we as humans inherit at the moment of conception, Mary was exempt from this sin and in like manner was not subject to sin throughout her life. So she remained sinlessly Sinless, yeah. pure. She was perfect. And Luke one twenty eight. By the way, Luke one twenty eight is as close as they can get to prove trying to prove this point. The angel Gabriel addresses Mary as "Hail, full of grace." Uh, and, and so this author goes on to say, "The fullness of grace would not have been hers had she any stain of sin." Uh, in the Apostolic Constitution by Pope Pius the Ninth that we were mentioning earlier on the Immaculate Conception, he he iterates this teaching quote. Above all creatures did God so love her that truly in her was the Father well pleased with singular delight. Therefore, far above all the angels and all the saints, so wondrously did God endow her with the abundance of all heavenly gifts poured on, uh, poured from the treasury of the divinity that this mother, ever absolutely free of all stain of sin, all fair and perfect, would possess that fullness of holy innocence and sanctity uh, than which under God one cannot even imagine anything greater and which outside of God no mind can succeed in comprehending fully. Mm. So, So that is the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception. But here's something interesting. I got this quote out of a handbook of the Catholic faith. Yep. It actually bears the imprimatur or the official endorsement of the Catholic Church. But notice what it says. Hey, that's, this is the legitimate stuff here. The point of doctrine, the Immaculate Conception, is not expressly dealt with anywhere in the Bible, nor was it preached by the apostles, and for many centuries it was not mentioned at all by the church. Mm-hmm. Gradually, however, as the idea of the future dogma began to develop among the faithful, Theologians submitted the point to the closest examination, and finally the view then generally prevailing was formally pr- pronounced as a dogma of the church by Pope Pius IX in 1854. The Catholics admit that this is an it's evolved made doctrine. It's they made, made up. it up. It's made up. Yeah. Kent says uh, the false doctrine of Mary's immaculate conception affirms that Mary was free from original sin from the moment of her existence and that she possessed sanctifying grace even at her conception. 
The problem with this doctrine is that there is no such thing as original sin. No one inherits Adam's sin. He references Ezekiel eighteen twenty through 24. Right. All infants at both their conception and birth are free from sin. One becomes a sinner by their own personal violation. While Mary was a, virtu- was a virtuous individual, she was a human being, and by personal choice, she violated the law under which she lived and was amenable to God. Romans 3.23, he referenced, would say that Mary sinned, that says all have sinned. Yeah. And she was therefore, like all accountable individuals, in need of God's scheme of redemption. Uh, so, yeah, the only one who didn't sin is Jesus, and we read about that in Hebrews chapter, uh, sorry, First uh, Corinthians chapter, let's see, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Yeah. Yeah, yet without sin, tempted at all point, like as we are, sin. yet without sin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and and uh, Jim in Kentucky also mentions Romans three twenty three. Oh, t- if if Mary was born free from sin and never committed sin, of course we believe she was born free from sin because we don't believe the idea of inherited sin is even taught in the Bible. But he he argues as Kent did that Romans three twenty three would be contradicted with the Catholic doctrine for all have sinned to come short of the glory. We don't of God. have to make up a doctrine of of how Mary was born to support a doctrine that is not found in the Scriptures. We believe that sin is not inherited. Sin is an is something uh, that you commit. Sin is an action, not something that you can be, not a state that you can be given. You yeah. you, you you commit sin. Yeah. You transgress the law. Sin is a transgression of law. First John three verse four. Yeah. It's not something that you can be given. It's something that you do. And the wages of sin is death. Wages are what you earn, not something that you're given. If you if you're given something, that's a gift or an inheritance. And wages. Are something you earn. We earn death from our sin. Here's another Catholic source. The New Advent Catholic Encyclopedia says, quote, no direct or categorical and stringent proof of the dogma of the Immaculate Conception can be brought forward from the scriptures. Well, that settles it for me. <laughs> I mean, uh, thanks they to the Catholic to say so themselves. I'll take it. Yeah. All right, let's take a break and get this week's bullet point. When we get back, we're going to get to this idea of perpetual virginity, another crazy doctrine not yeah. found in the scriptures. In fact, the scriptures teach against it. We're going to talk about that yeah. when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study right after these important messages. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. People may have various views about preachers and their work, but the Bible plainly states the kind of preaching that's needed in the world today. We need preaching that is, one, Bible-based. The Lord told Jonah to, quote, preach the preaching that I bid thee, Jonah 3, verse 2. Some preaching is pleasant to hear and it entertains people, but it leaves them sadly uninformed about what God really wants. Second, we need doctrinal preaching. Paul urged, quote, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee, 1 Timothy 4, verse 16. Doctrine is distasteful to some foes, but it is essential to the saving of the soul. Third, we need direct and personal preaching. Preaching that doesn't deal with the real problems and sins of people is of little value. We should not be unkind, but we have to, quote, get to the point. John the Baptist set a wonderful example. It ended up costing him his head for doing so, but it was the right thing. Mark 6, verse 18. Fourth, we need preaching that is motivated by love. We won't succeed in reaching people if they can't see that we truly care about them. But when we, quote, speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4, verse 15, we will be able to help people deal with the toughest problems. Fifth, we need preaching that's full of conviction. You have to have deep faith in the message you proclaim. Paul said, quote, I believed and therefore did I speak, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. 
Sixth, we need bold preaching. Some men check to see which way the wind is blowing before they speak. Instead of this, we should speak with all boldness, Acts 4, verse 29. And finally, we need balanced preaching. We need both positive and negative instruction. If we admit either one, we will not be effective in this important work. Paul told Timothy to, quote, reprove, rebuke, exhort, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. And in doing so, he emphasized the need for both positive and negative preaching. The work of preaching is vital in God's plan for the salvation of lost sinners, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 21. It needs to be done well. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're back on the program tonight. Uh, we remind you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeu.com. And check out uh, the live stream on YouTube. College U live stream, Kyle, is where it's at. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh... It's one of the well, best channels on YouTube. I think, yeah, we're up and coming. We're, it's, it's, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Until YouTube maybe begins to censor us, they're, yeah. they're doing a lot of censoring on YouTube. True. I don't know if they're going to get to us at some point mm-hmm. or not, but we'll keep we'll keep going as long as we can. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Kyle, thanks for that work <laughs> on that. Uh, we're talking about uh, the mother of Jesus tonight. Notice we're not calling her Virgin Mary because, well, she wasn't a virgin forever. Well, this is another evolved doctrine about Mary that she was perpetually a virgin. Now, we believe she was a virgin when Jesus was right. born. And uh, there's no doubt about that. We, we accept that as absolute biblical fact. But there's nowhere in the scripture that it says that she remained a virgin, therefore, the rest of her life. In fact, where we were reading in Matthew chapter 1 at verse 25, Joseph knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. What does that imply? He did at one point. I, I, I didn't eat the pizza till it was warmed up. I didn't eat the leftover pizza till it was warmed up in the microwave. Or I didn't go to the store until I had eaten lunch. Yeah. Does that mean you never went to the store? No, you did at some point. Yeah. You wouldn't say The clear implication is that it did follow. Yeah. Uh, and that's the way that's worded. And and then we have some other uh, references, too, Jacob. Yeah, Matthew 13, verses 55 and 56, uh, where they're sort of ridiculing Jesus' credentials. Say, is, he, is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers, James, Joses, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And so Jesus had siblings and even but, well, calls if, by Well, if name. Mary was a perpetual virgin, where did these brothers and sisters come from? Actually, the, uh, uh, the Catholics will try to change that word brethren to near relative. Yeah. Um, but, it, I mean, uh, and, other places, James and Jude are called the brothers of Jesus. Yeah. Well, and some would say, well, those are Joseph's uh, children from a previous marriage. Uh, and so, so where's that? Yeah, well, but I think Matthew one twenty five is the verse here that shows us that's the, even if they were, that they did have normal marital relations yeah. after Jesus was born. Uh, at, uh, Matthew twelve forty seven. One of them said to Jesus, Behold thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with thee. Another reference to the fact that yeah. Mary had other children. They were Jesus's, I guess we'd call them half-brothers. Well, they were. They, yeah. they, Joseph was their father. He wasn't Jesus' father, but Mary was the mother of them all. Yep. Um, 
Kent uh, says uh, Mary was a virgin in her betrothal and marriage to Joseph. She was a virgin in the, at the conception, incarnation, and birth of Christ. However, her virginity ceased after Christ was born. Matthew one twenty five and thir- Matthew thirteen fifty five and uh, and uh, Jim references the same passages um, uh, in uh, Matthew one twenty five. Uh, and he says also in the same verse, it says Jesus was, is the firstborn. No need to mention that if there are no other children. Matthew 12, 46 and 47 also co- contradicts this false doctrine. So thank you for that, Jim. Thank you for that, uh, Kent. We're glad to hear from you tonight. Okay. Um, the next, we're, we're, we're getting into the hour here, Jay. We've got to move. Move. Gotta move. The assumption of Mary. Oh. What is what what does we mean by the assumption of Mary? That means she, she drew a conclusion she shouldn't have drawn. She assumed something. Yeah, maybe. No, no. Oh, okay. She was assumed. I guess yeah. is the right is what the Catholics. Pope Pius the twelfth uh, proclaimed this doctrine on November first, nineteen fifty. Oh, that's a really recent. This is a new. This is brand spanking. This is still shiny new. This dogma states that the Immaculate Virgin, the Mother of Jesus, quote, after the completion of her earthly life was assumed body and soul into the glory of heaven. This means that after her death, Mary was assumed into heaven body and soul, like a couple of other Bible characters, Enoch, Enoch and Elijah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the, the, we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a minute. The doctrine further states that Mary was glorified in heaven and, exa- and is exalted by the Lord as queen over all things. Hang oh. on to that for a minute. We're going to talk about that. All right. Well, that's interesting because Eric took time to send us a picture today, and uh, uh, he was in Jerusalem at the, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and he had pictures of what they were claiming was Mary's tomb there and people worshiping there, worshiping Mary oh, and wait her a tomb. Are the Catholics contradicting themselves here? They're maintaining a religious site in Jerusalem that purports itself to be the burial place of Mary. But if she was assumed, like Elijah and Edith, she wasn't buried. Mm. Oh, they may have themselves in sort of a crossfire there, uh, contradicting themselves on that matter. Yeah. uh, Kent says the assumption of Mary falsely affirms that Mary was taken to heaven in body and soul. Such is false doctrine of Roman Catholicism and stands in opposition to the scriptures. He references 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 28 and 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. Talk about all who, you know, we're going to be judged based upon things done in our bodies and so forth and so on. Yeah. And Jim references, uh, he says, uh, to teach this is to suggest that her body did not experience decay as all mankind. It suggests that, like Jesus, she was taken up into heaven without dying. Hebrews 9.27 says, as it appointed a man once to die, but after this is the judgment. Yeah. All right. Thank you, uh, Jim. Uh, all right. Again, <clears throat> there is not a hint of that. There is not a hint of that anywhere in the Bible. I, I, if we don't get anything else across in, in our study tonight, I, I'd like this to be the takeaway you just can't make stuff up. There's, if you're going to make stuff up, then we'll just make up everything. I mean, if you don't have to su- sustain your arguments with Scripture, if you don't have to say, here's the book, chapter, and verse that says that's so, if you're not going to do that, then then where's the common ground where we can have unity? Because if, if you can make up what you want to make up, and I can make up what I'm, and Kyle can make up his own doctrines, there's no end to that. You might end up with what we have in the Catholic Church today. Or what we have in the religious world in general. Yeah, right. Everybody doing their own thing. Okay. Everybody teaching things that are completely opposed one to another. All right. 
So uh, the assumption of Mary, that's just not, it's not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. Okay, what about the idea that Mary, the next false doctrine, Mary's a mediator between God and man? You got a quote on that? I do. This is from a book, uh, My Catholic Faith. And so this is a, a, a book that explains various doctrines of the Catholic Church. Notice what this says. We pay special honor to blessed Virgin, to the Blessed Virgin because she is the mother of God and our mother. God has exalted her above all other creatures. Her intercession is more powerful with God than that of any other saint. No man refuses his mother a favor, so God does not refuse any request of Mary. Christ even worked his first miracle in advance of his time because Mary asked him, Let us all love and honor the Blessed Virgin, for she is our mother, whom Christ himself gave us on the cross. And so uh, they say, well, Jesus listened to Mary when he was here on earth and performing that uh, wedding uh, feast miracle in Cana, and that God will listen to Mary because she is the mother of God, and no one ever refused his mother anything that she asked. And so pray to Mary, and she'll get it done for you. Yeah. Whereas the Scripture says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Yeah. If there's one mediator, that doesn't leave room for Mary as as also a mediator between yeah. God and man. Here's a quote. Uh, Pope John Paul II said, quote, The history of Christian piety teaches that Mary is the path that leads to Jesus or leads to Christ. And that filial devotion to her does not at all diminish intimacy with Jesus, but rather it increases it and leads it to very high levels of perfection. He urged all Christians to, quote, make room for Mary in their daily lives, acknowledging her providential role in the path of salvation. Uh, That's uh, from Pope John Paul II, May 7th, 1997. Unbelievable. Here's what Kent said. He said, Mary is not a mediator between God and humanity. Christ is our only mediator. First Timothy 2, verse 5, John 14, verse 6. And then here's what Jim said. Another false doctrine strengthened by uh, Catholics taught the prayer known as the Hail Mary. When I was a young boy and part of the Catholic Church, I went to a Catholic school and served as an altar boy. We were taught that each week we had to go to confession and to confess our sins to a priest who then would give us an absolution or forgiveness uh, this usually consisted of saying different combinations of our Father as well as the Hail Mary as a means of repentance. The scriptures teach that only Jesus can forgive sins and only Jesus can mediate between God and man, First Timothy 2, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, seeing then that Jesus is our high priest, he is the only one who can enter the Holy of Holies and offer his blood upon the mercy seat. And so Mary is not the mediator as uh, Jim good, was Jim. taught Thank as a you, child. Jim. Thanks, yeah. Jim. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Jim. Really good. So... That's a, again, that's an invented doctrine that has evolved over centuries. It's not true and it's not based in the Bible. All right. The next one. We're going to have to move, uh, see here. We're going to have to move kind of quick. Let's take this next one, Jacob. Mary has a rank higher than angels. Did yep. you remember that quote? What, uh, here's, yeah, here's, here's one. Um, we were under saints, uh, veneration called doula. To the Blessed Virgin, we give special veneration called hyperdoula because she is above all angels and saints as the mother of God. So she's above all angels and saints. She's, she's got a, a special position or rank. Here's a quote. Mary's body has been glorified in heaven. She has been given an important role near her son as queen of heaven and earth. Mary is entitled to the, to the 
title queen because she's the mother of Jesus, who is truly king of kings. With the queenship Mary has been given by her son, Mary offers abiding mercy and compassion, interceding for all of God's children. So queen of heaven, she's obviously higher than the angels. She's queen of heaven. Now, I just beg, where is that in the scriptures? Where is that title ever conferred upon her? It's just simply not there. And so it's an invented doctrine, a false doctrine about the mother of Jesus. Well, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, tells us that angels rank higher than mankind. For we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering, death, crown, will glory, and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Humanity is in a rank lower than angels. Hebrews 2, verse 9 would teach that. Uh, and so for her to, to assume some position higher than that, we'd have to have some scriptural teaching that would say that she somehow eclipse them in rank, and we have that not in the scriptures. Kent said, Mary, being a human, does not have a higher rank than angels. He references Hebrews 2, 6 through 9. When Christ became incarnate in human flesh, the aspect of his humanity was made lower than the angels. Therefore, all humanity, including Mary, is lower than the angels. Mary is not co redeemer of Christ. Hebrews 2, verse 9, John 14, verse 6. Thank you, yeah, Kent. I thought it's interesting that, that Kent used John 14, verse 6. We know that verse very well. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Yeah. That would go to this last point that we want to discuss, and we'll get this in before before we take our last break. The last false doctrine we wanted to mention concerning Mary is that she's co-redeemer with Jesus. Uh, and we, we maybe have touched on that uh, just a little bit. Uh, I've got something here. Oh, I've got so many notes everywhere, going everywhere. Where's the one I want about Jesus, or Mary rather, being co-redeemer with Jesus? Yeah. Oh, here it is. In fact, the Catholics would say not co-redeemer, but co-redemptrix. Yeah, the feminine version. Of uh, so Catholic popes have re- referred to Mary as co-redemptrix, or, quote, the gate of heaven, or, quote, advocate, and, quote, mediatrix ascribing to her a cooperative role in the work of salvation. Uh, It should be noted that the official Catholic stance is that Mary's elevated status neither takes away from nor adds anything to the dignity and efficaciousness of Christ, the one mediator. That that last quote, that last statement is, is nonsensical. If she is a mediator, if she's a mediatrix, then Jesus is not the one and only mediator between God and man. Uh, you, you can't have that both ways. And we already referred to 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, that says there's just one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And so <clears throat> that's a false doctrine that she is co-redemptrix. The, the synonyms, co-redemptrix, the gate of heaven, advocate, or mediatrix. She can't be the mediatrix. There's only one mediator between God and man. It sounds it sounds blasphemous, doesn't it? Uh, Jim says the only scriptures mentioning one who redeems man are those that mention Jesus Christ. Galatians four verse five, and Titus chapter two, verse fourteen. And then uh, Kent says while Roman Catholicism has elevated Mary to an unauthorized position and is guilty of Mariolatry. There are some valuable truths. Okay, hang okay on. That, that's, that's it. That's I'm sorry, I jumped, yeah, I jumped yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he, he, I don't think he commented on this okay. last point. Right, okay. Go ahead. Right. So, okay, let's grab a break. When we we're get going back, to go we're going to go to the top of the hour because 
Well, I want to tell you, Jacob, you have been incredibly negative in this whole business. Yeah, well, you've we, just been saying you just you just been putting down every idea about Mary, everything that comes up about Mary. You say that's not so. I don't believe it. It's not right. It's wrong. Is that all you're going to do? No, we need to learn a lot of lessons Good. from her. We're going to do that on the other side. Yeah. We're going to go fast right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. I'm Dan Quillen, a member of the College U Church of Christ, with some thoughts about making plans. Have you made any definite plans for your spiritual life and for your service for God? We spend time prioritizing personal lives and setting goals in our careers, but do we think in those terms about the most important thing, our soul? Ask yourself these questions. What am I planning to do for God today? In the coming week, what good thoughts will I accomplish for Him? At this time next year, where do I want to be in my spiritual life? In five years from now, how will I have changed, improved, and grown in my work for God? Ten years from today, how will my family be? How will I have helped them grow spiritually? Twenty years down the road, how will I be doing? As I approach death, what will have been the most important things in my life? Where will I be in eternity? We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A recent survey reported that many have changed their religious habits due to the pandemic. More than half of the respondents said that they have prayed for an end to the spread of the coronavirus. They've attended services in person less often and watched religious services online or on TV instead of in person. As to whether the crisis has had an effect on long-term personal religious life, 19% of Americans said their faith has been strengthened, while only 3% said that it got worse. That information is via the Pew Research Center. The Word of God says in James 1, verse 3, The trying of your faith worketh patience. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, going to the top of the hour, talking about Mary. Now, talking about some lessons we can learn. Before we get to that, we've got a kind of, I just saw this. I was kind of overlooking it. We've got a comment in the YouTube chat window that doesn't get used near as much as our embedded chat window on our homepage. But we've got a comment in here from Harv. We have not heard from Harv in a good while. Good to hear from you again, oh, Harv. Up in Pennsylvania. Uh, John, and it goes to this point about Mary being co-redemptrix with Jesus. Yeah. He, uh, he references John fourteen six. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said he did not say no one comes to the Father Except through me and my mother. Us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I think that makes the point. Thank you, Harv. Good to hear from you, Harv. Yeah. Glad that you're out there tonight. All yeah. right. So our, our final, we want to end on a positive note. Yep. Because Mary is a truly great Bible character. Uh, and uh, uh, we, we want to talk about what positive and true lessons can we learn from Mary. Let's just go to our emailers to start out with, Jacob. Yep. Let's go to uh, Kent. Uh, and he says... Uh, while Roman, yeah, while Roman Catholicism has elevated Mary to an unauthorized position as guilty of Mariolatry, there are some valuable truths that we can conclude about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Number one, she was a righteous and virtuous woman. Number two, she obviously had a sincere love and deep respect for God. Number three, she had a humble disposition to be submissive to the will of God and to be used by him in accordance to his divine plan. I think those are great observations. Exactly true. She was a righteous and virtuous woman. You know, if you think about that, she was... Of of all women of all time, she was the one chosen to be the mother of uh, of, of yeah. our Savior, yeah. and so she 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 had to have been uh, a a really wonderful, righteous 
individual. Remember, we said she was likely very young at this point, yeah. almost certainly a teenager, maybe I, a young teenager. I often envision her being maybe in her late 20s, early 30s, you know, mature, yeah. established. And, uh-huh. No, she was probably a kid. Yeah, yeah. And she was willing to submit, you know, and and she was willing to submit to something that could have gotten her killed. And would have... Potentially been very embarrassing. Embarrassing? You know. Tongues still wag today when someone... Uh, pregnant before marriage. Even today in this yeah. immoral society. Yeah. But what about back then? Yeah. And who's going to take care of this kid? Yeah. Joseph's probably going to kick her to the curb, yeah. and she's going to be stuck as a single mother trying yeah. to provide for this child. Yeah. And she yeah. said, behold the maidservant of the Lord. I'll do whatever you say. Yeah, exactly right. Amazing. So all of that is really commendable. Yeah. Um uh, which displays her sincere love, deep respect for God, and her, uh, as as Kent says, her humble disposition to be submissive, yeah. to be used by Him for His divine plan. Along that humil- the lines of that humility, in, uh, back there in Luke chapter one, verse twenty-eight, when the, when the angel came to her, said, "Rejoice, highly favored one; the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women." Mary didn't say, "You know, it's about time somebody figured that out." Yeah, that's me. He's talking to me. No, she was troubled by that. Yeah. He's talking to me. Yeah. yeah, surely he couldn't be talking to lowly me. Talking about so it shows she her was humility. Humble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Jim says Mary was the mother of Jesus. Jesus loved his mother, committed her care to the disciple John at the crucifixion, in John nineteen 20, verses twenty six and twenty seven. She was a mother to more than Jesus, seeing she seeing he had brothers and sisters. Matthew thirteen fifty five and fifty six. She remained faithful in being a disciple. Acts 1, verse 14. That's interesting. After Jesus' death, she was with the disciples in Jerusalem as they waited there like they had been told to do by Jesus. She's named as being there with them, waiting, as Jesus had instructed them to wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, But she was not taking any greater role than any of the other women or disciples. Uh, the Catholic dogma of Mary is provided to give her a place which God does not. It's false teaching which leads many astray and presents her as a means of access to God, which is nowhere taught in the scriptures. I think it's a really good summary there, uh, Jim. Thank you for that. Yep. You know, I, someone pointed out to me one time that uh, there, there's sort of a very interesting evidence about the truthfulness concerning the virgin birth of Jesus provided by Mary herself at the cross. So here's Jesus being tortured to death, crucified on the cross, because he claims to be the only begotten Son of God. Mary could have stopped that. Mary could have said, listen... That is not true. He is not who he has been saying that he is. I was not a virgin. Yeah. I'll tell you who his father was. Yep. She could have stopped his torturous death. And what mother it, wouldn't have done and that? And what mother wouldn't have done that? But she knew that he was conceived in her of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. She knew more than, I mean, it did, if anybody knew, she knew that. Yeah. And 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 so she didn't have anything to fall back on and say, "Nah, let him go. It's all been it's all been a pretense. It hasn't been true since since the day he was born. It wasn't true. Yeah, yeah. It's all been a lie. It's all in his head. Just let let him go. Yeah. But she never. She was silent as he suffered to death. She knew the plan of God. She was a part of that plan. But she was there within earshot of the cross and and. What about his disciples who had forsook him and fled? She was willing to be associated with them even there 
at, at the crucifixion. Yeah. Uh, and so her faith is, is admirable there. Yeah. As well. a, a, another thing about Mary is, that, again, sort of evidence that she knew who he was, that she, she knew he was not uh, as, as her other children. In, in John chapter 2 at the wedding feast of Cana of Galilee, when, when, um, he, uh, Jesus was called his disciples to the marriage and when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. She knew he could take care of that miraculously. How did she know? This was his first miracle. You know, it, it actually says, uh, where am I looking here? Oh, verse 11. After he had turned the water to wine, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. So he hadn't done miracles before. This was the first miracle he did. How did she know he could do miracles? She knew his origin. She was, uh, she, and she had, she hit a lot of these things in her heart. You remember after, uh, uh Luke chapter two? Yeah, yeah. after they, they found him in the temple. She's, 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 meditating on these things she's contemplating she's putting these things together everything that happened to jesus was 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 had to have been a blow to her as well she was his mother after all uh and so uh, it it says there in luke chapter two uh they came after after the episode at when he was 12 years old he said i must be about my father's business uh, it says they went down with uh, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Yeah. Uh, pretty amazing. Amazing. Mary, truly a, a, a remarkable, faithful servant of God that that we ought to uh, hold in and uh, not in veneration as the Catholics teach, no. but in high respect, like any other faithful character that we read about in the Bible or today. We're still to be marking those who walk as they've been instructed, yeah. and yeah. we should to be learning from them. And so we should we should learn from Mary. Mm-hmm. Lots of admirable things. Her willingness to accept those instructions at, at at her age to submit to submit without question. This is something this has never happened before, and Mary's old enough to know that it shouldn't happen that someone could be uh, give birth as a virgin. And and the angel told her, "With God, nothing shall be impossible." And she said, "Okay." I'll do it. Exactly. Right. I'll sign me up. Exactly right. All right. Anything else over there? Good study, I think. Uh, uh, and, and as you as you said, Jacob, kind of fits the time of year because we're, we're in the time of year where there's all kinds of false doctrines being promoted relative to the birth of Jesus. So here's the very birth of Jesus to Mary, and and look at how many things. And again. My big plea in our study tonight is the takeaway is if you can just make stuff up out of thin air, then there's no ending. There's no stopping place. You've got to be able to sustain what you believe based on book, chapter, and verse. Kyle, I mean, that's uh, what we see in the religious world today is that people are going down that road. And where that road leads, that's, you don't want to go. Well, I mean, if you take the simple doctrine, the simple Bible commands, the church has not changed. The actual church has not changed since the first century. We, the settings may have changed, the way we dress, the way we act, and but the way we're supposed to behave and the way we obey the Bible, the way the gospel has not changed. But when the Catholic Church was founded, many, many, many thousands of changes and evolutions have been made because there's no basis. Yeah. There's no foundation which they're sitting on. They're on the shifting sands. So we can t- you can see that, obviously. Yeah, yeah exactly right. So. Exactly right. Kyle, thanks for being here with us tonight. Yeah.
Yeah, thank you for a good discussion. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for joining us. Hope you benefit from our study and discussion of God's Word. We remind you, if you have any questions or comments, maybe you disagree, questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. We'd love to hear from you. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.